that what we're seeing at the top end? Like, and I don't want to focus too much on the bottom end, which is what I'm sort of talking about, is the guys getting dropped from the peloton. That's uh, something as well. But probably the more interesting thing is when we see those differences between the guys who are toe-to-toe for, you know, two weeks, two and a half weeks, and all of a sudden you see this wheels fall off. They say he's cracked, you know. In your opinion, what is, and this is many, many things could have happened there, but just from a very general point of view, what is generally happening to the guys who are cracking? And let's talk about the guys at the back too, the guys who have to pull out of the race, um, who just can't go on. Is that what's happening, what you're saying? Day to day, slowly depleting, and finally they crack? I would guess if, if we're talking strictly from a dietary standpoint, because like you said, I mean, they could get sick. They could, there's psychological thing, all kinds of things can happen. But if we're looking at those two scenarios from a dietary standpoint, I would guess that more frequently that's two different scenarios. The guy in the back who eventually just falls off and can't, you know, cannot get back is probably that cumulative day after day, um, just going a bit harder than they're able to replenish. And that name may not be strictly nutritional. They may be doing their nutrition correctly, but they don't have the fitness to hang. And what happens is, so they're pushing at a higher relative intensity um, than the guys who are able to hang in there, which means they have a higher nutritional need and they can't meet that, Mm. right? So it's kind of a losing equation on the back end. And eventually their their bank account is depleted and they're out the back. Um, The guy on the front who's been there the whole time and just suddenly has this, just kind of comes apart it's probably much more of an acute fueling problem that day, right? So um, sometimes that's a, a gastrointestinal problem. We've seen it with guys who get pick up a little bit of a stomach bug, maybe have spend a bit of the night in the bathroom, um, and then they feel good the next morning, but they're just empty, and all of a sudden they've got nothing. Uh, but it could also be that they you know, missed a feed bag and, and, and blew it off and didn't eat enough, and all of a sudden you know, they hit that spot and it's just boom, they come apart. Um, there's some interesting research around how the mind and the body kind of work together in that scenario. And even the idea of perceived effort. Um, so, you know, two guys can be at the front of the race, both equally well fueled and able to do the same effort. But uh, if one guy is kind of smiling and the other guy, huh. you know, looks over the other guy and gives him that look like, Hey, this, this doesn't hurt, you know, is hiding it well, or even tricking himself into it. And the other guy is like deep in a pain cave. It's very likely that he's just going to pop. Yeah. Right. And you've probably experienced that just as an athlete in the past. Um, it, you know, if you, if, if you're able to kind of summon, uh, a smile, so to speak, um, your whole body feels better for it. And if you can smile at the guy next to you who's struggling, like you can see them kind of immediately just shoulders drop. Now, you'll just listen to the episode that I recorded last week with Kevin Sprouse. That's over at the Cycling Podcast. If you haven't heard that, as always, go across and have a listen to that. It's a great episode. I spoke to him also last year back in October. If you haven't heard that one, get across and listen to that as well. 
The first episode in October was all about what a team doctor does on the world to a team. This episode last week over at the Cycling Podcast is more specific. We're talking about the Giro, we're talking about Grand Tours and how the role of a team doctor is on a Grand Tour. Now we're talking Luft and now I've actually got a different episode for you, not talking to Kevin Sprouse or Dr. Kevin Sprouse, we're talking to Ben Perry. You might know his name, he's a Canadian cyclist, fifth year professional, he's riding with the Stana Pro Cycling team. A very, very funny guy, great guy, lives in Girona, have a good chance to catch up with him out training, I thought. He is perfect for Talking Luft. Not just Talking Luft, but Talking Luft 2.0. So sit back and enjoy this one. I hope you do. He's got some funny stories in there. Here we go, Ben Perry. I'm going to introduce Ben because he's not on last week's episode, but this is his fifth year pro. Yeah, this is five years. It's been five years out of Canada. He's from Canada and he's moved across to Spain, Girona, and now he's riding for Astana pro cycling team, mate. Just give us a quick wrap up on your life up until now. (laughs) I was born. (laughs) On a cold March 7th in uh, Toronto, Canada. <clears throat> but yeah, no, I've just been racing. Uh, started on the mountain bike, the normal sort of way. Needed, found out I needed to train on a road bike to be good at mountain bike. Did a few road races, went, this is way more fun, which I feel like is not the normal, but I really just love road. And then, you know, you're just like, oh, I'll never be good enough to race provincial level. And then... You win provincial stuff and you go, oh, I'll never race the national level. And you win national stuff and then, oh, I'll go to Worlds. And then, oh, wow, I'll go race in Belgium. And you won Worlds. No, I didn't win Worlds. The story ends The story ends uh, <laughs> a, a lot before that. But, yeah, no, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I always wanted to be a hockey player and found out I was good at biking and just enjoyed it and enjoyed traveling and didn't mind living in a hostel in Belgium and just racing. And, yeah, here I am. Here you are on a Kazakh team. Yeah. Well, let's get a little less serious and let's start talking Luft. So I'm going to explain to you how it works. There's five categories and under each category, there's five or six questions. Okay. The categories are style and clothing, food, rituals, culture, about you. Oh yeah, that's it. And about you. (laughs) So it's like Jeopardy. I go clothes for 400 and you go... (laughs) Let's just start. The first question, this is the second round of Talking Luft. I used to have another one and I've only done this type of questions with Luke Durbridge before. So the first question is cycling caps. So the caskets, how do you wear your casket? Like when you're not on the bike, do you wear it facing forwards, brim up, backwards, brim, brim up, brim down? How do you wear your cap? What's your style? I... I would wear brim down with medium amount of lift. Luft. Let's Luft. show me. Show me. Yeah. yeah, let me hold the mic. This is this is how I'd how I'd wear it, but I feel like if I had the right amount of courage, I would uh go full like Jay Z and like brim up to the side, Yankees cap style. Oh but I right. feel like it's a bit of like the conservative sort of oh I don't wanna I don't wanna stand out too much, like I'll just be a bit normal with my hat, but 
Yeah, no, I kind of I don't go full train con- train conductor luft, but it's uh, a bit in the middle here. Train conductor luft, I like it. Yeah, and I can explain where. So he's got hat facing forward, brim down. He's got a uh, life in the pearls on cap on as we speak. I'd say comfortable and slightly conservative luft. I also have a pretty big head, so I can't. If I went all the way down, like it's it's luft by. Uh, by design, mm. just just naturally, by nature, not by nurture, because I might be strangling my head if I wore the average cycling cap down all the way. All right, next question. Arm warmers over or under? As in over the sleeves or under your sleeves? Under the sleeves, or you're dead to me. Ooh. See, I'm over. Really? Yep. Just for racing? So All purposes. Sp- strip them off? Just, well, think about it, like... What happens when you pull your arm warmers down? What are you doing then when you pull them back up? Well, then you put them over top probably. There we go. So you're 50-50 guy. But then, yeah. Oh, but I'm, I'm only, I'm nine times out of 10, training ride. If I'm on a training ride, I'm rolling my sleeves up to my to the armpit and then pulling the arm warmer up and then pulling the sleeve over top of the arm warmer after. Because for me, it's the same sort of question as like, are your socks under your leg warmers or over your leg warmers? Because socks are underneath the leg warmers. Am I right? Next question. Socks or over or under? Under. Good man. <laughs> There's no alternative to that. that that's correct. <laughs> gloves or no gloves? Objective questions, but they are fully <laughs> correct answers. <laughs> Subjective questions. Um, I'm gloves. Um, winter gloves when required. Normal gloves in races, but will likely take them off if there's a summit finish because I don't like the feeling of gloves, but I understand their importance. Glasses over or under the helmet strap? Another question with only one correct answer, and that is glasses over the strap. Race suit or Nixon jersey? Depends. Generally, I'd like to have a race suit, but I've, I don't always have a race suit available so but yeah i like a race suit i don't know that's one i just also like having a jersey and having a jersey all the way open and i don't but know you're gonna make an answer here yeah i'll, I'll go, I'll, go I'll commit one thing for the rest of my life i'm on a desert island and i can only wear nixon jersey or a race suit i'd wear a nixon jersey it's probably a good call for the desert island scenario <laughs> all right let's move on food rice. rice or pasta rice normal breakfast or pre-race breakfast as in like pasta and rice, a.k.a. you're eating dinner at breakfast. I'm a normal breakfast guy. Bread, eggs, oatmeal. Yep. Favorite race food? As in the food that you have in the bus, you look to it and you see it wrapped up in the little foil and you're like, oh yeah, nice. Uh, in Belgium, when you can have the restart, like the little uh, rice cake that's like carbs with carbs and carbs on carbs wrapped in tin foil and it's just like, it's, it's basically rice pudding in a pie shell. And then if you can get the one that has like the breaded lid on the pie, that's <laughs> next level. Food room guy or not? And if you go to the food room, what do you get? And I explained last week what the food room is, just in case anyone doesn't know out there. There's one room designated in the hotel that we can go to because we get back from the race. We've just filled our face full of food in the bus and we get back and it could potentially be like one hour before dinner. And you're like, oh my God, how can I get to dinner without going to the food room? So there's one room allocated that has like snacks and stuff in it. Do you go there? And if you do, what do you get? 
Yeah, for me, the food room is kind of like my normal approach to nutrition where it's like six days of the week. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. I'm just going full European. I'll have lunch at lunch at 2.30 and dinner at 8. I don't need to eat in between. No worries. And then like the, that other day is like, yeah, I'm going to have like the biggest bowl of muesli you can imagine. Uh, full of like raspberries and to maybe throw a tablespoon of uh, peanut butter or something in there. But so I'm all or nothing. Muesli, peanut butter, raspberries. Yeah. Or sometimes I really like, I really like rice cakes for some reason. Like when you just like have like a little stack of rice cakes. And if I'm really bored slash hungry, I'll just get like five rice cakes and like a tablespoon of peanut butter, a tablespoon of jam, put it in a little bowl, get a banana and like just slowly cut the banana and like put the peanut butter on. Just like be like, oh, this is wasting time because I'm tired of Netflix and we haven't raced for two days and I'm in Belgium in a hotel and this is a solid way to spend my time. I'm just going to eat my way to dinner. <laughs> All right. Next one. Rituals. Bus or car. And what I mean by that is at the end of the race, there's the option sometimes to go in the car because the DSs want us to go, oh, you got to get back. Someone's got to do massage. Who's going in the cars? Or bus. What are you? Um... I'm here for a long time, not a good time is sort of my strategy in this sort of scenario where I'm the kind of guy where I always want to be a little too Canadian sometimes and be like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I'll go in the car. Like, do you want me to go in the car? Like, need me back for massage in time? And if a swan, you're just like, oh, Benjamin, uh, you already showered. You showered first. Like, come in the car. Come in the car. I'll just, like, grab all my stuff as fast as I can and go. But if it's ever up to me, it's I'm full on, like, legs up, headphones on, in the bus, just laying in the back on the ground. We spoke about this. Sometimes some guys get suckered into it. It sounds like you're that guy. Yeah, I have quickly fallen the sword when asked. Which seat do you sit on the bus? Because most often, well, for me anyway, there's always that one seat that I always go to. It's like three back on the right. It's not too close to the front. It's not too close to the back. You can't really get access from the DS at the front. You can't get access from someone who's sitting at the back. That's my spot. What's your spot on the bus? Uh, so far this year I've been, I'm actually two back on the right. So there's one seat in front of me, which is, uh, another, the other Canadian on the team, he always sits there and he puts his seat straight and then I put my seat on an angle. So he's, and he reclines his seat. So I'm kind of like also now like the nice guy on the airplane when he's reclined his seat into me, I'm just like rotate away from his recline and kind of sit on an angle and turn my head to the right to look forward. So I don't get car sick but mostly only see the back of his seat, but... He's like, is that, is that cool? Is that bothering you? You're like, nah, not at all. No, nah, no way, man. Yeah, this is great. I'm <laughs> loving life. <laughs> so is that your preferred seat or is this the seat you've got now? That's the seat I've got, but also the, uh, the only child in me. I don't know why that's my seat, but it, it is my seat and I put my stuff there. And sometimes I'll get on the bus, like for a train, like when, when we were in this last block in Belgium, there's a bunch of like recovery rides between races and you go on the bus to like, I'll put your, you leave your shoes on the bus, your helmet on the bus, whatever. I'd go on the bus and there's like 10 seats and there's two dudes from the team on the bus. And one of the guys is sitting in those seats and I can't help but get a little bit mad and be like, no, that's like, that's mine. You're playing with my toy right now. Like that's my spot, like move. (laughs) But there's no reason why it should be my spot. But I'm just like, why does this bother me? Like this is an internal problem I need to deal with. It's not his problem. It's my problem, but yeah. What happened in that scenario? Oh, I just grabbed your, grabbed your shoes. Oh, excuse me, mate. Can I just grab my shoes? Mind your seat. No, no, no. <laughs> my, yeah, my first approach is always just full of passive aggressive. Like, oh yeah, comfy seat, hey? Like, I know. Yeah, because that's where I always sit. Like, it's real comfy, that one, hey? Oh yeah, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. My shoes are just under you and oh yeah, can you? So that's my first. I, before going to blows, that's what I bring in. All right. 
best and worst roommate. Maybe, and this one was hard for Luke last time. Maybe if you don't want to name names, you can say what makes the worst roommate and what makes the best. Or you can just name names, up to you. Yeah, I mean, you really see, that's the moment. I feel like roommates and like bedtime, like right before bedtime is when you really get to see what a person's made of. Which sounds kind of sexual. <laughs> I don't mean it that way. But I don't know. For me, like, I love the darkness. Like, I'm, when we're back, when I'm back from dinner, it's like as many lights off as possible. Brush my teeth as early as possible. But I'm not someone who goes to bed early. Like, I don't sleep very much at all. Like, I'm not a good sleeper. I mean, you should manifest destiny and say, I am a good sleeper. I am a good sleeper. And maybe one day I will be. But I just put my legs at the wall, turn off all the lights, brush my teeth, chill out. Watch a movie, read a book. Are you the one of those guys who lays in their bed reverse and put their legs up yep. on the wall? Right. I love it. Yeah, right. Get my heels all over the painting above the bed and just... But yeah, I, for me, <clears throat> I've had roommates in the past um, who are anti-headphone, anti-darkness, which for me, those are the two big ones. Like if you're going to do a really long phone call, speaking in a foreign language, speaking loudly... It can be a bit annoying. Time to time, I accept it. But preferably if you had headphones, make things easier. If you went to a common area, it's a bit different with COVID with that. But then mm. for me, the one thing that blows my mind is I'll have roommates sometimes where they have their phone on like full blast volume and they're like going through Instagram stories, just next, 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 next. And you just hear three seconds of some random crap Tiesto song that all the Europeans love. It's like boom, 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 boom. And I'm just in the bed looking at them and then I like use pull pull out the Google Translate to ask them in their language like do you have headphones and then <laughs> the one guy I asked him this like do you have headphones and this is like but he didn't understand me being passive aggressive and he was like yeah I, I have headphones like I have AirPods and I have Bose headphones and I'm like why have I never seen them <laughs> <laughs> so your worst scenario is fluorescent light on video chat with the family birthday chat on speaker yeah i think humans aren't designed to see blue light that's why we stared into a flame as cavemen <laughs> our ancestors the first of the homo erectus looked at flame to calm the mind and if you have blue light everywhere you're never gonna sleep and yeah for me i just love the darkness and just chilling out all right well let's go then what is your wor best and worst roommate if you can wrap it up quick best roommate is just anyone consider it just like what do you want to do? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. I'm like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? But I feel like there's no middle ground with like... Who is that then for you? Straight off the top of your head that you can remember. Hugo Hull actually probably from this last block. He was just... We both just communicated like, what do you want? What do you want? Okay. Yeah, me too. Sweet. Boom. Worst roommate? You going to name a name? I'll name Alex Catterford because he loves the, the lights on until he's done doing stuff. And I mean, he's a long time buddy, but I'll name names. Yeah. Sweet. How do you pass the salt at the dinner table? I have been trained to go full Italian now where if I see a hearse, you touch your family jewels with your left hand. Do you know that one? To touch wood. <laughs> well, <laughs> effectively, yeah. Like, and, and then the same thing with the salt. It's like I have Italian teammates. Like In the past, I've had one, maybe two. So I, I'm like at a race with an Italian guy like 10 days a year. But now the, our team's kind of like one-third Kazakh. One third Spanish, one third Italian, more or less, with like a little. So, spider. how do you pass it? Tell me. You put it down in front of them and you lift your hand away 
in like a violent but not violent enough to knock it over a manner to be like, okay, the salt is now free. <laughs> and leave the room. <laughs> and run. <laughs> it's like dropping a grenade. Do you have any superstitions? Yeah, I do the whole knock on wood. Um, I don't have any superstitions with like prep or anything. I also never wear brand new stuff, which we've talked about. Um, In a race. race. So you won't, race, you won't yeah. wear brand new, fresh out of the packet kit. Yeah, I won't tear the packaging off some jewelry. Is that everything? Armors. Like socks, yeah, gloves? Yeah, shoes, shoes, everything. Helmet, glasses, boom. Like never, never, glasses. never. Glasses? Yeah, everything. Helmet? Helmet. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, let's move on. Culture. Favorite rider of all time? Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, you're going to have to <laughs> crop out this long pause. That's all right. Go for it. I don't know. It doesn't have to be like, okay, give me one of the top 10 then. I was never a Wahlberg. Psych- Mark Wahlberg. Um, Eric Wahlberg. Eric Wahlberg? I'll go with Gord Frazier. Who's that? My old DS in Canada. Right, nice. Mm-hmm. He would just he would just tell us stories about like grabbing guys' pockets and crits and like I don't know, doing crazy stuff to win bike races and I admire his tenacity. Nice. Favorite rider right now? Uh, maybe Casper Asgreen. It's mm. a good call. He's a nice guy. Best moment in a race. And what I mean by that is like, is it like the neutral zone where you're sort of cruising along? Is it like once that break's gone, you're like, oh yes, the break's gone. I can cruise for like two minutes. Is it like actually having a piss, getting to unclip? Is it like, oh, one coat to go. Yes, I made it. Or is it like, oh yeah, no break's gone. Great. I can't wait for this to keep going on and on and on. For you, what is that best moment in the race? Um, a lot of the time it would be making the break. Because oh. then you're like, oh, the hardest part is over. It's like yoga. Like yeah. leaving your front door is the hardest part. Once you start, once you, once you present yourself, once you're present in the moment, the biggest task has been done now. Just time to enjoy it and ride the wave. Making the break when it's like the road is blocked. There's like your teammates on the road. You're like, yeah, Benjamin, go, 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 go. The brakes, this is the break. This is the one. And then, and then they, the motorbikes come up and stuff. And then the second team car. And that's always a nice moment. Mm, sweet. Worst moment in a race. Same theory. Like, you know, break hasn't gone. Hating life. Dropped. I don't know. What is it? Worst moment for you in the race? I would say for me is the moments where you kind of become like unexpectedly dropped. I don't know if you can, you can relate, but it's like you're, you're not feeling too bad and you're maybe a bit out of position. And then there's a moment where you're all of a sudden, like probably at my own fault, 99% of the time, but I did a world in New Yorkshire and like I took everyone's jackets and went to the back and like, Oh, we'll just go, we go like do a quarter lap and cross the finish line. And then you go through the feed zone and I'd never done a race that long before. So I was thinking like, oh, it's, it's 160K to go. Like nothing's going to happen. We're just entering the circuit. We're on the circuit for 160K or whatever it was, 140K. Yeah, like it was, it was, it was ages, three yeah. hours on the circuit. And I took everyone's jackets. I looked like the 
Michelin man, like full of jackets and stuff. And I threw them all in the feed zone. And then like we left the feed zone. And I was in a single file line and I was like pretty pinned <laughs> in the line. And I'm like, they're like, okay, like I can sustain this. And then you get, you get the feeling in your head. Like, okay, this is, this is fine. This is my but race it, winning effort right now. Yeah. I'm doing my race winning effort in P125. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm in the line and, and it's this, this moment where you're like in the line and you go, okay, I can sustain this for a little while. I don't know if it's 10 minutes. If there's a downhill, maybe it's 20 minutes. If there's an uphill, maybe it's five minutes. But things are going to calm down because, like, surely no one can go this hard. And then you kind of look, like, around the line and you see, like, oh, wait, there's, like, three splits in the group. Like, I've just been staring at the wheel in front of me, but the race is already blown to pieces. Like, not only is sustaining this just keeping me in this group, like, if I want to go somewhere in this race i need to like step out in the wind and floor it and pass Get to the like, front all of these these guys. and then skip across and then you realize like oh wait it's so hard because it's pouring rain and there's all these corners and the guys at the front actually aren't going that hard like they're doing 300 watts but now they're i'm we're all still in the same line but they're like two minutes ahead of me and i'm doing 500 watts of this little rise hoping it's gonna let off but it won't and then one thing leads to another and then you're like oh wow i wonder how the race would have been differently if i would have been 60 guys further forward in that moment. Maybe. But you got the jackets back. I did. Everyone's jacket made it safely to the feed zone. For, for after the race. Great. Yeah, oh, great. Where's my jacket? Thank God. Cobblestones or gravel? Cobbles just because it's OG, you know? Like, I, I don't want to... I love gravel as well. It's, it's like dogs or cats, you know? I like both, but... Gra- cobbles is just the OG. You gotta, you gotta, yeah. All right, sweet. About you, last topic. Headphones or no headphones? I think we know that. And if so, what's playing in those headphones? Stacey's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> sweet. Read books or watch Netflix? I want to say read books, but generally it is watch Netflix. I always travel with like two books and then I probably probably read 30% of one book in about a two-week trip and then watch 25 hours of Netflix or whatever it works out to be. <laughs> what are you watching at the moment? Um, well, my roommate uh, Sam and I just watched Breaking Bad, which is... Wow, late to the scene. Yeah, but we both already seen it. And I mean, I'm really... I hate when people rewatch things, but I'm one of those people. Nice. BWS. Beer, wine, or spirits? All of the above, but just depends on. Uh, Got to pick one. Got to pick one. Desert Island scenario, like Desert rest, Island. Rest of Desert my Island. life. <laughs> uh, wine, wine, wine. C C C. Cake, cheese, or chocolate. Chocolate's immediately out. No offense to chocolate lovers out there, but I would say cheese. Cheese, Wine yeah. and cheese, man. I like it. Nice combo. Yeah. My last name is uh, the capital of France. Just reference for that. Perry. Yeah, right. Good call. Dad joke. All right. Now these are the little extras. Oh, no. Sorry. There's one more question here. Espresso or filter? Coffee. If it was Desert Island scenario again, I would say filter coffee. But I do have a desire for espresso when you just really need that hit. Give me one. Okay, well, yeah, filter. All right, For done. Sure, filter. Sweet. All right, now these are some questions from the original Talking Loft. I've added them in. 
give me a war story. A war story is actually what you sort of described at Yorkshire, but you can't do that now because you've already used it. But something like that, you know, like, you know, dropped Grubetto, taking the rain jackets back. What's your war story that comes to mind that's not Yorkshire that you go, oh, yeah, that bloody day? Yeah, I've got one that ended kind of in a positive note, but a negative note. But do you want like a war story that's kind of whatever you want devastating or it's up to you whatever that whatever comes to mind straight away you're like oh yeah the Do first one. the first one that comes to mind is uh, Canadian Road Nationals Saguenay 2019 yeah maybe 18 19 um, it was super hot there's 16 laps of this maybe 15k loop and it, there's this really steep climb and Right away at the beginning, it was cross. And, like, Canadian Nationals is one of those nationals where it's, like, there's two team, two continental teams of 10 guys, a couple pro Conti guys, a couple world tour guys, and not, like, any real organization. So it just goes crazy until most of the continental guys make it, 90% of the world tour pro Conti guys make it, and then everyone just chops off in this group of 20 for a few hours. And then guys are sitting on, and guys are doing this, and there's just it's the whole day. It's kind of like you're in the final 5K of a, of a race. Like, there's always just random attacks and people trying to – <clears throat> have these combinations and whatever and like I felt really good I had good racing and then at the beginning there was a crosswind and we were riding in this gutter and this broken road in Quebec and that completely blew up, blew up my front wheel and was like riding a broken front wheel and I got a new front wheeler from my former team Silver Pro Cycling in Canada and it was like way wider than the vision wheel I had and I had to like adjust my brake and then I was back in a group that was like three minutes down and I was like, oh, and like I desperately want to win Canadian Nationals because I'm just like a walking advertisement for Canada. I just talk about how great it is to everyone. And <laughs> half my sentences were like in Canada or back home. And then I was like, oh, no, like I need, I want to win so bad. Like this is the year. Like I'm in great shape, blah, blah, blah. This is a good course for me. And uh, I managed to like bridge back to the lead group. Wow. When like they settled down and the group I was in was kind of like attacking each other. And I just kind of sat at the back and waited for this climb on the circuit. I was like, okay, like I just got to chill and hope this group rides as fast as they can. Cause if I start pulling, I'm just going to burn a lot of energy and just save it all and just like smack it. Managed to get back to the front of the race. And this is where like whatever, halfway through hundred K and, and, uh, then I'm in the front group and there's attacks and I just kept messing it up and would always be kind of in the back half of the split. I'm like, Oh, what's wrong with me? Like I'm making some bad decisions. And I was like racing alone. Like I had no teammates this, mm-hmm. this, this particular year. And then uh, my front derailleur broke. Like I did, it, I shifted in the derailleur, kind of like spun with the the chain. So like the inner part of the front derailleur was rubbing on the chain. I was like, oh, this is gonna cost me something. But like I didn't have any team support, I didn't have a spare bike. So I was like, there's nothing I can do. And then <clears throat> I kind of just like lost all hope. That I was like, okay, everything's gone against me. I feel great. Like okay. physically, I'm in a good spot. Like my performance, blah, 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 blah. Upload this to Training Peaks, put this on Microsoft Excel. Yeah, it's a great day. <laughs> but if I, if I finish 18th, that's nothing <clears throat> in my current like situation and for my goals. And then um, I think that actually kind of helped me in the way. Like I lost so much hope in the race. I was like, this race is done. Like I'm probably pushing 30 extra watts because this. Derailers rubbing. This derailers rubbing. Front wheels rubbing. Yeah, the front wheel like barely doesn't fit. Like I can hear it rubbing and back wheel had no spokes. (laughs) Yeah, I broke my chain on the start line actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, I was like, okay, 
this is done. And then there's a sort of section of this course where you go along the water in uh, Lac Saint-Jean, the region, and then you kind of turn left. There's like a little kicker, and then there's the, the big climb starts. But the climb's only a few minutes or whatever, but I just like on this, and like it's kind of like the fool's place to attack. Like it's a gambler, gambler's preem, riverboat gambler style. Just <laughs> went for it, and... Uh, Antoine Duchesne from FTJ and Nigel Else from Rally followed me. And Nigel had five or six, or not, maybe maybe five teammates or so. And Antoine was like me. He was totally alone in the race. But he played a really smart race. Like he was, oh, he was kind of the guy who he followed everything the whole day, but never like overly committed, where I was kind of the reversal. I'm like, oh, I'm going to save my big hit and just mm. show these guys what I'm made of later. But then obviously it always bit me in the ass. But uh, it was Antoine, Nigel, and myself. And then. I think it was two laps just before two laps to go and the finish lines right before this climb. So the first time up the climb, like we're cooperating, but Nigel's sitting on <clears throat> the gaps like really short. Swain was in the group behind pulling and for the, for the rally guys. And it was kind of Antoine and I versus him versus the other guys who were all alone. So they're not working as much, but the gap was never more than maybe 20 seconds for the last 30 K. And then the climb is just after the finish line. Derailers going like red hot by now because <laughs> of the rubbing. The derailers now fluorescent red. <laughs> Looks like <laughs> which one's the hard 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 is magma and <laughs> and liquid is. Uh, <laughs> it's just about to liquefy. Let's just yeah. say that. <laughs> it smells like burning metal. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> I mean, it wasn't. It was rubbing, but it wasn't like I could still pedal. I just couldn't go to the little ring anymore. Um, and so we're going up the climb last time, and Antoine like started cramping. And I've now Antoine's kind of like, we didn't, I didn't like attack anyone. Like Nigel was still sitting on this whole time and we're just riding up this climb and Antoine cramps up and gets gapped and he's maybe 10 seconds behind us at the top of the climb. And then I get over the top of the climb and I flick my elbow and then Nigel's like, no, nah, I'm not pulling, which he hadn't, he had the rights not to like, he had all these teammates behind, like not that far behind. And I was like, oh, if, and the other thing for the story, this is getting long, but I'm, yeah I feel in the moment. <clears throat> Nigel, uh, he wouldn't take offense to me saying he's a terrible sprinter, and I'm an okay sprinter. But I'm thinking if he so, was he wasn't going to go to the line with you because he was like, you know what? If I go to the line with him, I'm getting second, so I'm just going to sit on and hope that he pulls me to the line, and that way I can beat him in the sprint, or we get caught. Yeah, exactly. And like this climb was really his last moment yeah. to attack because from here, there's like okay, there's a few little risers, but nothing too steep or too long. And there's a pretty big downhill left along the water again left again a little like 15 second kicker flat for a k to the line so i'm like okay i'll wait for duchene because he will still cooperate with me and guaranteed there's three of us coming to the line if he's cramping he probably can't sprint mm. and then that way i'm not doing all the work because if i do all the work yeah i don't want to knock nigel sprinting but if i pull him around for the next 25 minutes he'll probably just jump me mm. if i'm going as hard as i can for sure so waited for antoine go down the downhill, turn left at the bottom, left at the climb, I'm thinking, and I got where I want. I'm like, Antoine's on the front, I'm second, Antoine's holding left from the barriers, Nigel's behind me, and I was like, I just totally rode off Antoine. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, everything had gone so crazy to this point, and I'm, I'm just like, oh my God, I can win Canadian Nationals. I, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to win, because I've had some rest. Antoine's been cramping. He can't. He won't be able to sprint if he's had cramps. He just stuff. got dropped. And, yeah. And then I was looking at Nigel over my right shoulder, and I just – in my brain, I was like, as soon as Nigel kicks, I'll just kick at the same time, and I'll have a bike length lead, and that's it. And we'll just ride around Antoine, who's probably going to be cramping, pedaling squares, because he's trying to kick. 
and then we just kept riding, 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 got to like 180 meters to go, 150 meters to go. And I never thought to start it. And I, like, I don't have a good kick, but I have like an okay long yeah, sprint. Yeah. So in my mind, I should have, I, and like, I talked to Dan McClay about this a lot, actually, after it happened. You should go on log, yeah, he's 1800 like, if you he's like, one. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> 1800 meters is the perfect length sprint. But I was like, okay, I'll just, I should just pick a spot and start from there. But then Antoine kicked and he got a couple bikes and he kept a couple bikes and he won nationals. And then after line, we crashed this really overweight man who was standing in the middle of the road. He, he, he hit Antoine and then fell into me. And then, oh, it was just a crazy day. And, this, and then my bike was pretty effed up. And I had to ride it for like another three weeks that I was in Canada. And it was just like a scar from like the race that had gone wrong, like so wrong and then so right and then so wrong. And then it's like at the end of the day, it's like a national. So you want to win so you can wear the jersey. Yeah, sweet. I got second. I got... And it would have points. been a good one to have too because you could have had a couple of years with the COVID year. Well, there's one more Nationals after that one. But ah, right. right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, still, just to have a little maple leaf on your arm for the rest of your career, it's like, for me, that's... you still got time. Plenty of time. Yeah, but this is the thing with cycling is like, I remember when I was like 21, I was second. I lost it on the last day. Of the year. I wore a yellow jersey in like point two in Canada. It was Saguenay. Like actually, I won the stage that was the same course as that national championships at this two point two. And one of my teammates took the jersey from me on the last day. But like this Ryan Roth, who's a veteran, like he did everything right and good guy. But then he said to me after the race, he's like, "Oh Ben, you're like twenty one. Like you're gonna win so many races." And then I was like, "Oh yeah." And then I was like, "Oh, how many of these have you won?" He's like, "This is my first one." And he was like thirty five at the time. And I was like, "Oh." And I'm now. I just think like you gotta just carpe diem, <laughs> carpe diem, carpe yolo. Like you just you, so you got one in you. It's just gonna take another what seven, seven, eight years. Yeah, I'll wait. I'm just I'm just looking forward to that like Canadian stage race when when I'm 35 and then I can hang the wheels up. All right, let's move on. Two questions left. Cheat meal. You get back from that long one, big day, long ride, six hours, or even just a massive race. What's your go-to cheat meal? Is it a deep dish? Is it a is mac any, and cheese? Is somebody watching? Is it a um, what's the, the French fries? Poutine. Is it a poutine? What P- is it? Poutine is yeah. uh, different yeah. from poutine. Poutine, poutine. <laughs> uh, for all the French viewers out there, we're sorry. Um, what is it? What's your cheat meal? Probably nachos. Nachos. Yeah, big like pizza. I'm one of those like metal pizza dishes. That you can get like in a sports bar in, in Canada where it's just like a pile of different colored Nachos. corn chips with a bit of guacamole on the side, some sour cream, some uh, salsa is obviously the, the pinnacle. Nice. But yeah, I'm a big nachos guy. And last question, what's the best thing about riding a bike? The For me, it's like the meditation sort of, I don't know, I don't know if spirituality is the right word, but I just... A lot of times I'll kind of shirk riding with people because I just want to ride alone and like mm. listen to this podcast about this or listen to nothing or listen to music or doing huge long rides but by myself. And then I find you just kind of – I find you no matter how many like waves of positive or negative you ride in the ride, like you feel in the ride, you always come home and you're like, hell yeah, I did something sweet. Mm. I just did this many Ks or I did these intervals or I – found a way to be okay with this thing in my life and now I'm here and I'm home and I'm in the shower and now I'm on the couch and mm. life it, life just goes on and it's like that's one thing I wouldn't do this if I didn't uh, love it and it's like I'm not out here being like oh I want this much money or I want this or I want I want that like 
and yeah, I don't, I just enjoy pedaling, sitting and pedaling. Nice, mate. Perfect. Well, thanks for being on Talking Loft. Thank you for having me. Like I said, very funny guy. I hope you enjoyed that one. Ben Perry, Talking Luft 2.0. I'm actually having a little bit of a break at the moment. When the Giro's on, I'm not going to be putting an episode out while the Giro's on. The Cycling Podcast put an episode out every day, recapping every stage. So I thought my episodes are just getting a little bit lost in that. Stick in and hear their stage analysis every day with them at the Cycling Podcast. Talking Luft is going to be happening, as per usual, every two weeks. And in four weeks' time, we're going to have another Life in the Peloton episode coming on the Cycling Podcast. I want to say thanks to Lara, who's helping me here at Life in the Peloton to put these episodes up. And exciting news, caps are back on their way. We've got them made. They're just being sent out at the moment. So going to be restocked on the store very, very soon. So guys, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.